Welcome to the NBA Trades Podcast. I'm your host, Raphael, and today I have a special guest to talk about the NBA trade deadline 2019. It was dramatic. It was emotional. There were 20-some-odd trades. I want to say 20-some-odd trades over the past six days, five, six days. It was very, very emotional. But I have a special guest. It's Anthony, AC Spotlight, my bro, Anthony Canton. How are you doing? What's going on? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? There's so much to talk about. It's definitely going to be an interesting time trying to sort out all of these trades, but happy to be on with you. Well, thanks for coming on. Yeah, it it was pretty emotional. Or not emotional, but it was pretty crazy just how many trades happen, how many players got moved, and then also resulting, how many players got waived or bought out as a result of some of these trades that happened and just sort of the change in the league or teams retooling or teams trying to get into the big picture thing, which is winning a championship, getting to the NBA Finals, getting to the Eastern Conference Finals. So there's a lot to absorb from this trade deadline. So I guess we'll start off with the East because the top of the East we've seen has become four team, a four-team race, really, for that number one spot. Milwaukee has clearly cemented themselves as the best team in, in the league right now, just off of point differential, net rating, etc., etc. And they do have the best record in the league. Now, they still probably feel like there are, uh, they have a lot of competition in, in the East coming with the Philadelphia 76ers, who just made a trade, the Boston Celtics, who have a great team that was projected to win 60-some-odd games this year. And the Toronto Raptors, who are very good, have a superstar in Kawhi Leonard, an all-star in Kyle Lauer, and a very nice supporting cast, Serge Ibaka, Pascal Siakam, Danny Green. So there was a lot of pressure on these teams to try and build and make some kind of move ahead of the deadline to help them in their playoff push and also in their playoff series where most likely these four teams are going to be matched up with each other in some kind of combination during the second round of the playoffs. So, I guess we'll get it started. So, uh, a couple days ago, or a day ago, essentially, the Sixers got Tobias Harris, Boban Marjanovic, Mike Scott from the Clippers. The Clippers get Landry Shamit, Wilson Chandler, Mike Muscala, a protected 2020 first-round pick, a unprotected 2021 first-round pick from the Miami Heat, a 2021 second-round pick, and a 2023 second-round pick. Now, that trade sort of just started this, oh... These teams are really ready to go, and they're trying to be competitive. What did you think when you heard the news? Obviously, it was so late. I remember seeing it late at night and being very shocked. Yeah, um, I when I, I I generally wake up pretty early for work, so when I when I saw it, I think the first thing I thought of, and it's interesting enough, I didn't think about it in Philly's standpoint. I thought about it more in the Clippers' standpoint. This is a pretty. Um, this is a pretty ballsy move by L.A. here because they get off of the money for it, uh, Tobias and they and they don't have to be uh, they don't have to resort to having to pay him in the offseason. And this is kind of this kind of sets up um, for them a chance to get into the free agent game, to get into the Kawhi game, to get into possibly the A.D. game. They have assets. They got they have those picks. Um, they got that really. uh that coveted Miami 2021 pick. Now, I know a lot of people talk about Miami's 2021 pick. 
possibly not being that valuable just because of how Miami usually plans to be good and they don't intend to be a tanking team. And, of course, they, they'll have incentive to not have that pick uh, be in the top 10, top 5, or obviously a top uh, 3 pick. But I think if you're trying to build assets and you're trying to get yourself in the free agency game, which the Clippers are, are trying to do, you should aim big. And and you get those assets and you put yourself in position to have a chance, especially in this offseason, where I think in the course of this conversation, I think is I think it can't be stated enough that this this free agency is probably one of the hugest um, in a long time. I mean, you can consider 2010 and obviously KD's uh, free agency a couple of years ago when he went to the Warriors, but there are so many impactful players that are going to be on the market come July. And with 2020 free agency not being as good, I think the NBA is going to be set up for a change uh, in the era of of what this Warriors NBA has been, I think it's going to be completely different now. So I think that aspect of it from the Clippers side is very interesting. For Philly, of course, they're really going all in. They're pushing their chips to the all the way to the front of the deck, and they're taking a huge chance here because they're taking a chance that all of these guys are going to be able to work together um, and and kind of fit together, of course. Jimmy Butler, this is the thing. Jimmy Butler and Embiid throughout this whole season have talked about we need more shots. We need more, I, or I, or I need the ball in my hands to do this, or I need the ball in my hands to do that. There's always been kind of something specifically with those two, and of course Ben Simmons, who's a very ball-dominant player. Tobias is not exactly that, but also remember Tobias is also playing for a contract too, in a way. So he has to perform. So you kind of put all that in the mix and you say to yourself, yeah, it looks good on paper. And yes, Tobias enhances their spacing and he's the he's the, the, the good prototypical four that you would want in today's NBA. And it really put, gives them a puncher's chance. But they're taking a risk that if this backfires, um, you could have Jimmy Butler leave. You could have Tobias leave. And you will have the cupboard bare in terms of assets, and it makes you it makes you wonder, to be quite honest, with Jimmy Butler. I mean, not Jimmy Butler, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid being the ages that they are. It seems kind of weird that they would push everything at risk here at this moment, um, where the Warriors are still the Warriors, and a championship is not guaranteed. It seems like them striking the iron right here and not having taking more bites at the apple is is a calc. It's a risk, but you know we'll see what happens. I don't know. What do you think about uh, Philadelphia's uh, risk here? Well, I think it's a big move to to give them four legitimate All Star caliber players, and I agree with you that the fit is sort of questionable in terms of just sort of how it or the risk is questionable. And just how you can, how things can fall apart. And then Philadelphia essentially made this move because they don't feel like they're a free agent destination. That, like, if they lose both Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris, then how are they going to be able to come back and fill up the rest of their roster or go after another big fish when they feel like already they're not a free agent destination? So that's a, a really tough part about their situation. 
Now, I also question their depth and just sort of the risk that goes involved with sacrificing so many of these players. I mean, Muscala, Wilson Chandler, Landry Shamit, they all played legitimate minutes for this team over the past couple of months since they made the first trade to get Jimmy Butler from Minnesota. So I'm I'm more skeptical, even though their numbers are not that impressive. You know, Muscala was shooting 39% overall from the field. He wasn't, you know, having a great season. Uh, Shamit had really impressed and played better as the season wore on, and he really gave them a, a complimentary uh, player who can do some of the similar things that J.J. Redick does so that you always have a guard running, you know, off screens and running around with Joel Embiid, running off of dribble handoffs who can make shots and make plays. And he was also showing on the defensive end that he was capable, even though that wasn't what he came into the league as. Um, Wilson Chandler, you know, he fills a lot of different roles. His career has sort of changed a lot uh, in a weird way because it's like two years ago he was a regular player, you know, shot I think he, I looked it up on Basketball Reference. He was, he took 20.3 shot attempts per 36 minutes, and that number has gone, or I think per 100 possessions, and that number has gone down to like 9. And so he's become a guy who just doesn't shoot at all. And so there are questions about him that I, you know, I think about on the side that don't really have anything to do with Philadelphia's (laughs) long-term outlook. But I think with their team, to sacrifice that amount of depth, because really, Boban is a he's a left-handed pitcher, left-handed relief pitcher in the NBA. He's only really useful if you're playing lineups with a, another ground-bound big, or not necessarily ground-bound, but a, a big that sticks to the paint and is doesn't have a jump shot, doesn't really affect the game from outside on the perimeter. So he only really works in matchups like that if he's playing against a you know, equally big or slow-footed center, then Boban mm-hmm. makes sense. But it, 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 that's he's just such a situational player. And Mike Scott has been up and down in, throughout his career. You really don't know which one is going to show up from either the Atlanta days or the struggle times he had later on in Atlanta to, um, a little, you know, he had an okay season with Washington last year. But, like, there are questions about their depth. And that's why, you know, I figured that if they can get players on the buyout market, you know, uh, namely like Wayne Ellington or whoever else is available that can shoot and spread the floor off the bench, then there, this I think this trade will make more sense. But like you said, who knows how these guys are going to feel um, coming into free agency if, say, this team loses in the second round or if they have a really disappointing conference finals, or they play well, but Jimmy Butler and Tobias realize, like, this just, I don't like being a third banana or a fourth banana um, or, or a 30th banana. Like, I th- think, like, it's just in Get general. Get me hungry with this banana talk. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but it's like, it's like when you think about that with that team, how is that going to work? And, you know, that that's like real things that players who have... You know, these two guys have been through experiences where they've been the number one guy on their team, number one offensive option. And to take a back seat, that's a big question to see how that's going to work. And that's not like the Warriors who have more complete shooting throughout the the three key players, the three key offensive like scoring players on their team. And I think that's where the comparison comes in. You know, the Warriors have a big four. So the Sixers now have a big four. But how is that going to work with the way that the Sixers play 
You know, they don't really play pick-and-roll basketball that much, so that doesn't really fit Jimmy Butler. And also, Tobias Harris is is a pretty good, pretty solid pick-and-roll player, too. That's what he showed over the course of the Clippers as a screener and as a ball handler. So, I don't know. I'm like, I think it's a it's a big move, and it's a very risky move. They traded up pretty much all their assets, their key yep. assets, that teams really were, were pursuing from them if they were to make a trade for a big-name player. And so that limits them going down the road in terms of how they're going to build this team or if or you know it's going to leave them with problems in case these this situation doesn't work out. And so it's a really risky move, but I can also see that if it does work out, it could get them to the finals. It could potentially like they'll it's interesting, like with the stuff that the Bucks and the Raptors did today, uh, it, it, they do present um, interesting matchups with those two. I, I think mainly for them, I think the issue that they've had more than anything else, and I'm sure that they're looking at Boston and the problems that they've had with them in the past. They just haven't had enough scoring punch against them to really to really put pressure on uh, on Boston in, in, in a good portion of the games that they played with them in the Embiid-Simmons uh, era. And maybe now they have enough scoring punch and enough versatility on offense that their starting lineup, at the very least, can provide that. Yeah, I think that they're... That especially with how Brett Brown staggers minutes, they're always sort of like the Warriors. They're always going to have two two of their stars on the court at all times. And in some ways, that protects you from what we're talking about with depth because the Warriors don't really have a lot of depth. But yeah. when you have the kind of players that they have, they don't have to worry about that. And and that's what is interesting with Philly. Are their superstar, or the, I guess you could call him beat a superstar, but are their stars that good to make up for the lack of depth or the lack of good players playing around them when we get into those bench lineups that mix with, you know, two starters or JJ Reddickson with two start with the other two starters and then, you know, you have two other guys who we don't know who it's gonna be down the road. It could be you know, T J McConnell's obviously gonna be one of the people on the court and after that it's a really a big question. Really T J McConnell and Amir Johnson and I, I'm guessing Mike Scott is going to be there. So they they have a lot of questions, I think, especially wing depth off the bench. Yeah. They don't really have that anymore um, after making a trade. Because Shamit really was, I mean, he's not a wing. He's sort of a, a, a two He's a two guard uh, specifically. So I, I don't know. And I guess since you, you mentioned it, I'll just throw the, the, two tra- the two other trades that these Eastern contenders made. So the Bucks. Um, early in the afternoon made a trade where they got Nico Miritich from the New Orleans Pelicans in a three-team trade. It was originally a Pistons-Bucks trade involving Stanley Johnson and Thon McCurr, Maker, I don't know. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But it was a three-team trade. Uh, The Pistons got Thon Maker, the Pelicans got Jason Smith, Stanley Johnson, a 2019 second-round pick from Denver, Two uh, second round picks that they that Milwaukee had previously gotten from Washington in that early season trade with George Hill and Jason Smith, um, mm-hmm. the twenty twenty and twenty twenty one second round picks, and they also got Milwaukee's own twenty twenty second round pick. So the Pelicans get four second round picks essentially for Miritich, which I don't. I mean, you know, I'm not the biggest second round pick fan because they are very like volatile. It could be somebody who ends up being Draymond Green. 
or it could end up being someone who's literally out of the league after two days. So it's like that's sort of the thing about second round picks is and like the two days is a little bit of an exaggeration, but just in general, there are guys who get who don't last long who are second round picks and who just end up not being in uh, you know uh, NBA players pretty much or playing in the NBA for a long career or they end up playing somewhere else and succeeding. So that's like sort of the question that I have about like a second round pick. Also, the value of them, Denver's twenty nineteen is going to be pretty late. Uh, Milwaukee's twenty twenty. The way the Bucks are headed for next year, I mean, with Giannis there, and already we're seeing what they're doing this season. It'll be yeah. hard. And then Washington is up in the air. You know, twenty 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 one. They could be pretty solid in the thirties if if mm-hmm. you know they trade Bradley Beal or something next year, and John Wall's out for the season. So there is a there is a chance. That those picks could be, that the Washington parts of those picks could be good, but anyway, um, so the Bucks get Miritich, and then so the other one was Toronto getting Marcus All, which was pretty big. Memphis gave up on Grit and Grind, the official like I mean he's not the last link, Mike Conley is, but he's one of the last yeah. links getting traded to the Raptors from Memphis after there were rumors that he was going to Charlotte. Um, he went to the Raptors for Jonas Valanciunas, Delon Wright, C.J. Miles. And a 2024 second round pick. Now Gasol is is, I mean he's a really big addition. He's a former All Star, former Defensive Player of the Year. Um, he had a really good start to the season. Sort of fell off a little bit, but he's still averaging a career high in assists. And he's a he's a do it all kind of player. I think the biggest question that has come from from this deal is already their front court situation with Pascal Siakam and Serge Ibaka. Serge Ibaka has exclusively been a center this year after spending some time at Power 4 with the Raptors playing alongside Jonas Valanciunas last year and halfway through the year before that when he was first traded to Toronto. And I think that people feel, or not feel, it's pretty obvious that he's a center at this stage in his career. He's having probably the best season of his career and it is by becoming an, a full-time center 100% of the way. And now you bring in a star-level, star-caliber player, an aging star, but a star who is probably expecting to start. Now, Serge, is Serge going to be fine coming off the bench? How's that role going to fit? It's going to be really interesting to see how they, they uh, all, you know, all of that works out, works itself out. But... You see these two teams making these trades, along with what we talked about with Tobias Harris. It's a lot. These teams are really gearing up, and you know Boston didn't make a trade because they're focused on preserving cap space um, for the possibility of Anthony Davis coming along. And mm. you know, since they have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown as the main attractions of this trade, they're both still on their rookie scale deals. So most likely, the Celtics are not going to have a salary that perfectly fits with Anthony Davis's salary. So it would make sense to trade for him with some of your available cap space um, down this eventual road that we get to in the summer. But who knows? We'll see. Um, what do you think about all of this stuff in the East? These four teams are really, really good. I'm interested to see like what happens when they're matched up with each other. I think Miritich brings... What the Bucks already have, but it makes them even more deadly and more able to play different lineups like Giannis will, could play at center sometimes. And you can put shooting around him from Miritich and 
Chris Middleton, Malcolm Brogdon. You have Brooke Lopez who can, when they play big, he can just be the center and Giannis could be the four. And then they could just, they have a lot of interchangeable parts for this season. And then you add in Eric Bledsoe, who's not a great three-point shooter, but he's shooting okay this year. And their team just has a lot of different weapons. Nothing that stuns you besides Giannis in terms of just looking at their roster. But mm-hmm. they're they obviously have the best record in the league. They're very dangerous. The Raptors getting Gasol. What do you think about sort of just the way the East is shaking out right now? Um, this, this is and this is what is going to be fun about it. You have the potential of these four teams: the Celtics, the Raptors, the Bucks, and the Sixers, with four uh, particular franchise players that could be free agents: and Jimmy Butler, Kawhi Leonard, Kyrie Irving. And two years down the line, Giannis. At the end of the second round, two of those four teams that I just mentioned could have their franchise players looking at them funny. And that aspect of that is very, very delicious. And with the free agency situation coming up, obviously we've heard the stuff about Kyrie Irving. We've heard the stuff about Kawhi Leonard. And Giannis is next after Anthony Davis' situation gets sorted out. Giannis is the next guy that we're going to hear about in terms of what is he going to do uh, with his uh, his impending free agency down the road. Uh, All of it is very, very fascinating. I think one of the things that I think about when I think about the moves, I know for the Bucs, I feel like this is... Okay, we're going to try and show Giannis that we're trying to win a championship this year, this season. We're good enough. We were already good enough to get to the finals with the team that we had presently constituted. Well, let's add Miritich. Let's add more spacing. We can now go big or small, whether it's Brook Lopez at center, uh, being able to shoot. They still, they still are able to maintain their spacing there. And then you play Miritich, and then you can play Giannis at center for a potential matchup with the Warriors at, at, at some point. And that's where... That aspect is going to be interesting, too, if those teams ever matched up in the finals because of what the Warriors will have to decide to do with uh, DeMarcus Cousins if he's still playing as well as as he is currently. Um, All these teams playing against each other is interesting because it's contrasting styles. And not only it's contrasting styles, but all those four teams now have a versatility to go uh, big or small. Now, I feel like with Toronto and Philadelphia... I feel like those teams are probably going to be better big because with now Toronto having Marcus All on the team and obviously Embiid being their best player, um, all of those things you put those together and that's that, that's interesting in itself. So those teams will probably stay big and Toronto has to answer a question with Gasol and uh, the the front court rotation of Gasol, Siakam, and Ibaka at the end of games, like what's going to happen? I guess it's going to be lineup dependent, but is Marcus all going to be happy uh, not being in the game down towards the end? If, if uh, a team that they're playing, whether it's uh, Boston uh, going small or Phil or, or Milwaukee going small. And, you know, there's going to be a situation where you're going to have to play Siakam at center or play a Baca at center and just play smaller. And they're not going to have, they're not going to really have a choice in that matter. They're going to have to play one of those guys, and Gasol's going to have to take a seat. 
that part of it is very interesting. So, yeah, I'm and, intrigued by that a lot. Just, you so know, what, like the matchup stuff, like you said, with, like, just thinking last year, Horford and Embiid, and yeah. just how Horford ran him off the court um, at times. Just how is Gasol going to match up with those types of situations with, like, say, Milwaukee when they go small, or or Boston, too? Yeah. Yeah, I think all of them. Yeah, all of those things are interesting. And Boston, of course, is another team that's just very versatile as well. So depending on who matches up with who, it doesn't really matter at this point. I think all of those matchups are probably they're very close to even. I don't think you can consider... I would say that the Bucks are the best team right now. They played like it. Their point differential says, says so. And they've been the most dominant team in the East, um, really, for the most part. I feel like Toronto has gotten by on a lot of guile, and they and their depth, uh, for the most part, has come has come to help them out in certain instances when Kawhi hasn't played or Kyle Lowry hasn't played separately. Now it's going to get tested a little bit. Um, them obviously losing Delon Wright. Delon Wright was a solid player coming off the bench for them, but they're going to be relying more on Fred VanVleet to you know provide that scoring punch, which he has for the most part this season. But um, Serrano's kind of shifted their focus. They're going all in on trying to um, prove to Kawhi that they are a team that can go to the finals and possibly contend for a championship. And all all of this is it's high stakes poker. The and you, you and and this is what you kind of want. You you don't want the what we've seen with with the Charlottes and the Detroits and. Washingtons of the world you, you want to see them make the you want to see these teams make these win now moves and push the chips to the table because it, it should be about trying to become NBA champions it should be about contending and these teams are all trying to prove to their franchise players that they want to get to that point so seeing that these four teams are are kind of in that position the loser of this and how the organizations react to this, it's going to change the foundation of the NBA because some of these players are going to be are not going to be on these teams next year. So that aspect of it, it's mind blowing. But at the same time, it's going to be really fun to watch to see how it plays out. Yeah, it's going to be really, 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 really crazy. I mean, I think, like, with just those two, that second round matchup is going to be, I mean, both matchups are going to be so crazy. They're going to be, like, conference finals matchups from previous Eastern Conference finals series. So you're getting, like, three Eastern Conference finals matchups, pretty much. Yeah, like, think about the, I mean, think about the series that, that we've had. I mean, you could say Cleveland and Boston last year, yeah, it went seven games. But it was like one of those if if um, LeBron doesn't go to the finals, then yes, you can make the argument for Cleveland that, oh, okay, then he's automatically going to leave. But I think people kind of knew that he was leaving regardless anyway. But for Boston, it was like, oh, Kyrie's coming back next year and Gordon Hayward's coming back next year. So like while Boston lost, it wasn't like one of those, well, if they lose, then something dramatically changes. With all four of these teams, the loser, it could affect the yeah. weight. It could affect the literally affect the NBA. You know, like how Golden State and Oklahoma City played in 2016. That affected the NBA. 
It, yeah. it literally changed it. So like that—that that is what you—that's what you want to see. This is high stakes. This is what you want the playoffs to be about. It really mattering in terms of the future of what the league is going to look like. This sounds really like Game of Thrones or like Game of Zones. I guess yeah. future report. Uh, <laughs> uh, because it, I mean, like you said, it really can impact a lot. A lot of these guys leaving if they get eliminated in the second round, or if they get eliminated in the first round by the Pacers. I'm just saying. Uh, I don't. I know mean, if it's you, you, you never know. Look, Wesley Philly, Matthews. <laughs> if, Phil, if Philly get, if I tell you this, boy, boy, oh boy, imagine something happening like Philly getting eliminated by the Pacers in the first round. Oh, because be they just over, can't, yeah. and nothing, everything can't fit. That would be crazy, yeah. I mean, it's, it's probably not going to happen, yeah. I'm just, like, joking, but, yeah, you never know. I mean, But this is the other thing about that, Ralph, and that's why, like, when you talk about high stakes, we're talking about real pressure. We ain't talking about that fake, oh, what you call it, oh, this is a cute story. Listen, I like the Nets this year. The Nets, the Nets go in the playoffs this year, and they have no pressure. They could do whatever, and it doesn't matter. Philadelphia down 2-1 in a series – we're going to be looking at them crazy. Like, we're going to be looking at them, expecting something from them. And how they respond to that pressure is going to be very interesting if they're in that situation. So there's, like, legit pressure for those four teams to get it done this year. You right. You right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so I guess we'll, we talked about the East a little bit. I mean, really, none of the other teams in the East made a big move where it made you feel threatening or or any kind of way. A lot of them made moves that were more like cap-saving when you think of the Cavaliers getting, or not cap-saving, but trying to get assets. The Cavaliers getting draft picks for Alec Burks and Rodney Hood this past week to the Wizards getting off of the luxury tax, which I thought was really hilarious because... You know, thinking of the owner, Ted Leonsis, saying that there was no way that they were going to tank or no way. Mm. And I'm not saying they're tanking right now by making those trades. But it's hilarious when the owner really talks about it. Like, oh, yeah, we're going to be competitive. We're going to do our best. But really, when it comes down to it, looking at that record, you knew they were going to make some kind of move to get out of the luxury tax because it just doesn't make logical sense to be paying. Yeah. Where be having a, a situation where you're paying like the Houston Rockets, Golden State Warriors type of repeater uh, tax bills when those teams are regularly either in the conference finals or have one of the better records in the West. So for the Wizards to be ten games under five hundred and to be saying that we're not tanking or whatever, or we're, like, oh, when it comes down to it, owners gonna save some money, and I mean that's what they chose to do by dealing Marquise Morris and Otto Porter in separate deals, um, and taking back expiring contracts and not really having to trade much because you know they traded talented players to get less talented players who are on expiring contracts and Wesley Johnson and Bobby Portis who is a good player and and Jabari Parker. Okay, so. Um, anything else? The Sixers got James Ennis from the Rockets. We'll see how mm-hmm. that works. I mean, he does add depth, but the Rockets, you know, at times he lost his spot in the rotation or consistent minutes because of his lack of a, a consistent three-point shooting shot. So we'll see what happens. Um, oh, can I say can I say something about the Rockets? Yeah. Man, man, oh, man. Dude, man is uh, Fertitta uh, cheap. Oh, oh yeah. Boy. Well, you know, it's funny, yeah. and that's like the, like the Wizards thing. You know, t- uh, Tillman said, uh, what did he say? When th- when he first bought the team from Les Alexander, he said, 
oh, I'm willing to pay the luxury tax, but only if we're in the finals or something something to that effect, like if we're a championship-level team. And nothing to me strikes me more when an owner says that, because when an owner says that, that means they're not willing to pay. Because that's, I mean, and and I can understand, the Rockets have not had the season that they expected. They already have more losses than they had last year, and there's still 28 or 30 games so left in the season. So there's still another third of the season practically left. And they have more losses than they had total last year. So I can understand his feeling with that. But I will say this. When he first said that, I was like, oh, he's definitely never going to pay the luxury tax. Unless they are. Like, and I take him for his word. Unless they beat the Warriors, he is not going to pay the luxury tax. And we saw how that affected their willingness to sign Trevor Ariza, which obviously was really expensive um, to get that done. And sort of just some of the other moves they were willing to pass on, like Luba Mute. I don't. I wouldn't blame them based on how Trevor Ariza and Ba Mute situations have worked out. But you know, at the end of the day, when you're not willing to pay, you're not willing to pay, and it has affected the the roster surrounding uh, Harden and Chris Paul. And what we see in terms of just how much Harden has had to do this year, he yeah. did not have to do this last year, and right. there is a reason why. Because <laughs> they were a much better <laughs> defensive team, and at the end of the day, yeah. when they were a much better defensive team, and they had all these guys who could switch, they didn't have to get like all of this kind of crazy scoring. But since they've committed, and you know, also in the regular season, getting rid of Ryan Anderson has hurt them too, and Eric Gordon has had a worse year. There are a lot of reasons, and I'm not going to get too deep into it. But there, there are a lot of reasons why they have struggled. But a lot of it, there is a part of it has to be them being. Essentially, willing to just get rid of players just because of financial reasons, and I understand that with the Warriors' presence there, it's always going to be hard to be realistic in terms of winning a championship with that team sitting right there, always mm-hmm. every year the best team in the league. But if you're not willing to spend, then you're not going to win a championship. I just—it's very hard to do that. Because eventually you're always going to have to pay. That's the price of getting great players is paying them what they are, what they should be compensated for, and you know their performance. Okay, so anyway, um, that's an aside on owners uh, being cheap, and mm-hmm. we will get to the West side of things, which is Anthony Davis is the center of everything. At the mm-hmm. trade deadline, the Warriors don't need to make trades because they already got the championship locked up. No disrespect yep. to everybody else. Um, and there were a few other trades, but it felt like a lot of the teams in the West were either making trades that were meant to save money, i.e. like the Rockets, um, yeah. Yeah, to save money on their tax. The Clippers uh, got two expirings in Jermichael Green and Garrett Temple for Avery mm-hmm. Bradley, who had $2 million guaranteed on his deal next year. So they save a little cap space for next year having two guys who have no guaranteed money for next year and are free agents whereas Avery Bradley they would cut and they would still owe him two million so that would still count against their cap um the Blazers got scallop this year which you know it's nice and just looking through some of the trades the Lakers uh gave up EV to Subots he was a free agent this that year. one was weird well I un- I understand but it's a really bad value deal because why I I, th- I mean I mentioned Muscala you know in the previous trade with the Sixers going to the mm-hmm. Clippers, but he hasn't shot that great this year, which is his I guess his defining skill as a big man is that he can shoot threes. But yeah. Zubat and Zubats I understand he's a free agent after three years, 
um, with the Lakers' second-round pick. He had signed a three-year contract, so he's up right. for whatever contract is available. And the Lakers, at this point, when you handicap yourself because you're looking towards free agency to sign whatever superstar, in other words, you're just willing to do whatever. And maybe Muscala will be a better fit in terms of just spacing on the floor. But Zubats was very good for them. And I think the Clippers got a very nice player. And we'll see like just what his impact is. Um, but, okay, so Andy Davis. I mean, none of these other trades matter. No offense to the West. Uh, oh, and the Kings. <laughs> I, actually, no, I will give the Kings. The Kings are trying really hard to Harrison be competitive. Barnes. Yeah, Harrison Barnes. Um, they got... Who else are they? Oh, they got Alec Burks in the trade with the Cavaliers and Rockets. Where the Rockets also got Shumpert. I also can't forget about Shumpert. Uh, Iman Shumpert. But yeah. um, like the Kings, I, I have to give them credit. You know, they, they've really... Look to be more competitive. They've played very well. Um, besides the loss to the Rockets last night, where they got blown out, they have found a really nice team, a really nice core, and maybe Barnes fits. We'll see how he fits his post-up style as a as a stretch four. But he's not really a stretch four. He does shoot threes, but he's more of a mid-range post-up type of uh, small forward who who is now a four. And, I mean, maybe he'll fit. We'll see how it does. He's a solid defender. Um, At least somebody yeah. in a pinch that they could go to in isolation. Yeah, they don't really have an isolation player. They're more like just up and down, Buddy Hill, jacking up threes. Darren yeah. Fox, uh, you know, getting to the rim. Um, and boy, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, step back threes. Uh, but anyway, um, okay, so Anthony Davis. That was the big deal. Part of me feels like I don't really want to talk about it because... You know, uh-huh. it's, it's already like okay. I'm, I have Anthony Davis fatigue, but yeah. it's in a, it's such an important part of the league because of how great of a player he is and just the potential teams he can go to. It seems like there are so many based on what happens this summer. It could be so many teams step in trying to make offers regardless of his willingness to resign with teams. And I just, I mean, the Lakers weren't able to make a trade, and I understand why. Just the reality is that they don't have anything of significant value in terms of their young guys just are not good enough. And I think it would be risky for them to trade so many draft picks to the Pelicans where you feel like it's Brooklyn and Boston all over again. For for a while, Andy Davis is great. You just don't know with LeBron's age, and I, I do think that that is somewhat risky with his age. Because then you end up with the the possibility of being New Orleans 2.0 and just fielding a mediocre team again, and I, that's where yeah. I, that's where I could maybe I don't think that was their thinking, but that's where I like feel like some concern with them making a trade that risky. But you have to give up something to get something. Boston's gonna be able to get back into this trade race. That's what him not being traded meant, even though. His representation has done everything to make the Celtics believe that they should not be involved in trying to trade for him. The Celtics are definitely going to try and go after him and pair him with Kyrie Irving. And there's probably going to be other suitors. Like, the Knicks are potentially still going to be involved if they can get a number one pick or get the number one pick, Zion Williamson, and maybe if, if, you know, take that risk of trading him for Davis with other stuff. Um, Yeah. I mean... What do you see or forecast in the future? Or what are you excited to see in regards to him? Now it's going to quiet down for like a few months, but it's going to build back up again in the summer. I mean, it's going to be crazy, right? Uh, Yeah, I think what you mentioned, there's going to be a ripple effect of what happens here with this decision. 
Um, I think the Lakers, obviously, with what they tried to um, do there and the whole... I guess the way that they went about it according to the league and according to what we've heard from, you know, various different uh, reporters that the, that they were very put off by the way that the, that the Lakers uh, tried to get Anthony Davis um, and the tampering aspect of things. So that part of it is, you know, one thing in itself, I think the Lakers itself, just a, just as a quick aside, um, I think Luke Walton is in such huge trouble. He's probably going to be fired after this season. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> just, I think people should just remember when Jeannie Buss went on Zach Lowe's podcast and and when he asked her like really, really specifically about like how do you feel about Luke and then when once she said it was magic, that's that told me all that I needed to know about that. That Luke was on borrowed time, and you know according to all the stuff that's been happening with the with the way that they played the other night. And what happened in Golden State last weekend with uh, the uh, the arguments after the game? And listen, when you know that the when you know that the coach is on thin ice, you're not going to respect them the same way normally as a coach that is going to be there for the long haul. And as always, as we know, and this is goes across all sports with every general manager, uh, when when a new uh, hierarchy comes in in an organization. And it's not their coach. That guy's on borrowed time, regardless. So, like, that situation is what it is. But, like, if you want to go to the grand, the grand scale, I mean, we heard Mark Stein talk about the Knicks being a uh, frontline player for Anthony Davis. Um, that's interesting. So, I guess we're going to have to find out what pick the Knicks get in the lottery, which uh, that could determine some things. Uh, the Celtics, as we talked about earlier with the Eastern Conference, if they get knocked out in the second round and Kyrie's like, peace out, then there is no reason for them to trade. Well, there's no reason for for Anthony Davis to be like, oh, okay, you know, Kyrie's going to be there. Because he's not going to be there if that's the case. I think Kyrie's going to be out of there if um, the Celtics don't advance far in the playoffs. So that'll change things there. So I think what happens to the Celtics on the court is going to affect what happens with Anthony Davis. And all these teams have gotten into the mix. We talked about the Clippers earlier, um, having a chance to maybe get Jerry West in the room with, with uh, these free agents. And maybe Anthony Davis could be a part of what the Clippers are trying to do. Um, this, this year in terms of free agency, is going to set up what the NBA is going to look like for the next uh, three to five years. So what? And Anthony Davis is at the forefront of that because I feel like while he is, while he is probably not like the number one guy that you would have on your franchise in terms of okay, we can straight up build around him because I think the the power forward slash center is always going to be slightly devalued um, in the NBA nowadays because of the ball being in the hands of the perimeter players more. But in terms of like your immediate one one A one B guy, um, Anthony Davis is like so important because if you get him, then you're going to assure yourself of getting somebody else most likely to come in and play with him. Because they know that he's unselfish, and they also know that he can finish and he can erase mistakes and just do so many things on the court. So, like from that standpoint, Anthony Davis is just 
It's going to be huge to see what happens. I don't think I don't think it's going to be Boston that that gets him. I still think um, Los Angeles still has a shot at it. I think the Knicks do have an outside shot now that we've heard it that much. Uh, I think there. It feels like the Knicks are actually going to get somebody this time. But now that can always change. We've we've seen what happened uh, with Kevin Durant uh, last night with the with the uh, what you call it him attacking the media and all this other stuff, which is a whole nother story. That's another thing that's happening in here. Even though, even <laughs> oh, though yeah, he was not, tripping, <laughs> even though he's not a part of trade season, he, he's a part of this mix of what the NBA is going to look like. Like if he leaves the Warriors, then you know the NBA is effectively changed, and it's it's back to a more competitive um, competitive league in terms of actually winning the championship. But, um, you know, as far as Anthony Davis goes, like all the posturing that happened with the Lakers and the Pelicans, I mean, it is what it is at this point. It was pretty clear that the Pelicans were screwing with them. Um, and maybe rightfully so, because the Lakers have tried to do the whole back-channel thing, and the league is, seems like they're tired of it. And I think there is pushback on... There is definitely pushback on the LeBron... Um, Shadow Agency slash LeBron runs the league. Uh, Illuminati. I think I think I think owners <laughs> are annoyed. Yeah, you're you're right. The the LeBron Illuminati is like, oh, that's a real thing. I think the owners are really annoyed at that, and they will try their hardest to make sure that LeBron ages on that Lakers team without any stars to uh, supplement his gifts as he as he continues to age. And that's another thing, like. If the Lakers don't get anybody, what's going to happen there? Like, it's just like LeBron's going to just age out, and that's going to be it. And that's crazy because we we will always assume that LeBron um, is always going to be into contending. I mean, think about this. LeBron is really punting a season. That's really what's happening here. So, like, this season is just going to go by, and they'll probably be like a – if they make the playoffs, that's, a, that's actually still a if because their schedule is really tough. Um, they could be a seventh or eighth seed or not make it at all. And if you're a free agent, looking at the Lakers, realistically, you can't say to yourself definitively that, hey, I should go there and play with LeBron because, A, of the the toxic stuff that Kevin Durant talks about, which is true. I think people went crazy about it, but it's true. I think there is a portion of that where he gets all the accolades and everybody else gets all the blame. And that's that's something that... You have to look at when you go play with him, and especially if he's older and he's just not going to be as good. We've seen him have a serious injury this year, which is like the first time that's uh, that's ever happened. Like all of those things that have to be considered. So whatever happens with Anthony Davis is going to just send a ripple effect throughout the league. So again, we go back to this with the playoffs. The playoffs actually matter this year in a way that, like, even if the Warriors win the championship. What happens in the Eastern Conference is going to kind of uh, shape what the offseason is, is going to look like. Yeah, it's just, I mean, I, I'm like what you said, the thing about LeBron, I'm really interested to see, like, can he get another star over there? Because it seemed like it, it, was, it was going to happen eventually when he first signed. Like, the talks of whether it be Bradley Beal or Paul George or whoever. And mm. it just feels like... I don't see it. I just don't see it. And 
If, especially if they don't get Anthony Davis, because it seems like he's the one guy who does want to play with LeBron just because of the agent connection. Or maybe that is, like, I know Anthony Davis has said it too, that, oh, based off of my representation, I can see why people think that. And maybe we don't really know what, like, maybe he's open to a lot more places than what Rich Paul wants specifically, meaning yeah. to be with his friend, his longtime friend, and his connection, which is LeBron. And connect that. And maybe that's really just the, you know, Rich Paul working that angle to try and make sure that LeBron gets a a superstar with him in someone that he represents. And I'm not trying to say that as like, oh, like he's trying to do something sneaky or whatever. But just, you know, that's just how things work. Um, yeah, so, okay, so I guess we'll just go quickly into the winners and losers and we'll talk a little mm-hmm. bit about the buyout market like who you're interested so who do you think was the biggest winner of the trade deadline wow i would probably have to say the warriors because nobody had made a move significant enough to to uh to 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 be in still like contention to beat them at this point i would say i would call the, i would say the warriors are one um, I just would say the Bucks are another one. They, they, I feel like they put a put a hold on the on the top spot in the East. Um, Toronto did get itself um, an upgrade at center. Uh, the the Gasol spacing is going to be interesting to watch. The Sixers, obviously. Um, I I do think the Knicks with this with the with this. Uh, with this Anthony Davis not getting traded to the Lakers, I think the Knicks and Celtics are, are winners too because it gives the Celtics still a chance to get in that game, and it also gives the Knicks a chance to get in that game as an option for maybe something crazy in the offseason for them. And considering the stuff that's have, happening with Durant and Kyrie Irving, that stuff, all of, all of that is um, in the mix as well. Um, in terms of... In terms of losers, oh, well, also I'll say the Sixers. Yeah, the Sixers. They they got themselves ta- They got themselves more talent, and they put themselves in position to to give them give themselves a chance to make the finals even more so. So I would say those teams. Um, losers. Hmm, that's interesting. I think Memphis for not being able to trade Mike Conley, or though they may be able to make some more offers um, at the at the deadline. They didn't really. I don't feel like they got a lot for Gasol, which is kind of. It's kind of like what you could to expect, argue. Yeah, yeah, you can kind value. of argue that because yeah, because he has the opt out, so that 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 goes into that situation. Um, I'm trying to think who else is there. Any other big loser? I would say um, Atlanta wasn't really able to get any of their expirings out of there um, that they probably would have liked to. Because it seems like they were trying to get, they were definitely. You heard that they were in a lot of calls trying to get rid of people. I know they wanted to trade Torian Prince. Um, that never happened. Uh, that was probably, I would say that they're probably a loser in this. Um, is there anybody? I don't know what. Do you feel like um, the Philadelphia? Also, we didn't even talk about the oh, yeah, Fultz. The Marco yeah. Fultz. Um, um, with Orlando, well, they're uh, a loser. They're, they're a loser in the sense that, and I think you could connect it to the Tobias Harris trade. That yeah. they don't, 
that really Tobias Harris is as the fourth guy on their team should have been Markel Fultz. And the fact that he ended up becoming a... How do I put this in a delicate way? Um, <laughs> he became a, uh, a, a an interesting NBA story these past two years. Um, the fact that he became that really just completely mm-hmm. ruined everything that they had planned... And really yeah. led to the Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris trades. And they would be in a much different situation if Fultz was the third guy with Ben Simmons and, and Embiid and just sort of them trying to figure it out. And they'd have a future and there'd be more hope and promise in terms of, oh, maybe they could get a fourth guy and they'll have so much cap space. Maybe they could just fill it with a bunch of like very good players to fill out their starting lineup. They'd still have Sharich and Covington for trades available they'd still have these draft picks that they just traded for tobias harris so i think that they're the big loser in the sense of team building not necessarily in the sense of when you trade a guy like to for a guy like tobias harris and you give up a protected first round pick and then the heat pick which is sort of really attractive i'm not as sold as that being like a sexy pick because of just my respect for the Miami Heat. They're always competitive. They always yeah. field a good team. The last time they had a really bad team was before they got LeBron. Or no, was before they got Michael Beasley that year when Wade and O'Neal were hurt. Um, and then they traded Shaq in the middle of the season. So I think, like, the Heat have always been really competitive. And they've really only had under Pat Riley a few seasons where... You could say, oh, wow, Pat Riley really just put together a garbage team that was not, like, able to compete. And so even though these past two years, I think people have made fun of the... I wouldn't say... Well, made fun of the Heat in the sense that they're in a dire situation because they don't have, like, flexibility um, in terms of their roster. They don't have a lot of, like, talent. And so when you don't have flexibility and you don't have talent, that's, like, a major weird like place to be in because then that makes you a 500 team which they have essentially been the past couple of years you know two years ago they missed the playoffs this past year they made the playoffs right now they're right pretty much smack dab in the same exact spot they've been in the past two years so i mean it, it it's bad but they're so competitive that the chances of a 2021 pick being that bad, I just don't necessarily see it being that bad. But who knows? I mean, Hassan Whiteside's a free agent. I know people don't think he's that good, but, I mean, he's going to be a free agent, I think, after next year. And yeah. Goran Dragic, I think he's, he might be a free agent after next So they'll be in a weird space. I know they were trying to trade him, too. Yeah, and, you know, he's coming off of... Off of arthroscopic surgery on his knee. So there are a lot of questions about their team in the future. But I think with just the way that this team is built and the way this team is coached, they're always competitive. So it doesn't have as much value as, say, like the Knicks. If you had a future unprotected pick from the Knicks, you'd be like, oh, okay. <laughs> That'd be great <laughs> because you know, the, you know the Knicks are very inconsistent and just the organization has some chances of falling apart. And I think you could look at that with some other organizations around the league that make mistakes and, you know, are never competitive, i.e. if, like, Phoenix gave a pick or something like that. Like, it'd be unprotected, that'd be pretty bad. And, um, I don't know. I, I think Philadelphia is, is losers in the sense of, like, just the building part. But the trade, I wouldn't say they're losers. I'd mm. say what you said, that they're, they are winners. Because they got an all-star level player. Yeah, and I think uh, Jonathan Simmons uh, can help them off the bench. 
Yeah, maybe. I'm not as sold on that. Um, no. <laughs> I mean, Terrence Ross would have been a lot better. Jonathan Simmons is like, he can't really shoot, so that's going to be the thing of like how he's going to fit with that team. But if they play up-tempo and they run, I think he could be a, a like, you know, I mean, situational player. But in the playoffs, I think that'll be a harder fit. In the regular season, maybe he can help them. Um, okay, so just to let you go quick, I guess, um, buyout. So we talked, we'll talk briefly about it. Ennis Kanter, you know, got waived. Wesley Matthews signed with the Pacers after the Knicks bought him out. Mm-hmm. You know, Robin Lopez is on the market, or he he wants to be on the market, but the Bulls want to keep him. Yeah. And there are a few other players. I, I heard DeAndre Jordan staying. Um, Wayne Ellington just got waived, so he's going to be available. Um, and so there's going to be a few players. Is there anybody that you think could be a game changer or a, a big time impact player? Zach Randolph too, um, is going to be on the buyout market. Mm. I don't see cancer. I mean, you already know how I and feel. And he's done with cancer. Listen, no, how I feel about cancer. Uh, I'm going to ask you about, okay. I know what my last question is going to be. <laughs> um, uh, in terms of buyouts, Wes Matthews does help the Pacers probably probably need a little scoring punch, so that'll be a nice addition for them. Uh, that helps. I'm trying to think. Um, who else is a who else is a guy that's uh, that's available? Can you give me a couple of names? Um, Robin Lopez, or like people I didn't mention. Yeah, people you didn't mention. Um, okay, then I have to think about this. Oh, well, Jeremy Lin is probably a candidate to be bought out. I mean, it's very possible. The Hawks just traded for Shelvin Mack, who's another veteran point guard. So, I mean, I could see one of uh, Jeremy Lin or Shelvin Mack being bought out because um, they already have Trey Young, and they probably would only need one backup guard. Uh, on bad teams, on bad teams... Chicago, I already mentioned Robin Lopez, Cleveland. I don't think that there really is a buyout. They've pretty much traded off every uh, veteran or semi-veteran on their roster um, besides Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson, who are both on big Mm. contracts and I think probably have trade value um, for that team. Um, uh, Is there anybody else I'm trying to think? I mean, you know, low-key, I mean, this might sound crazy, but I'd say Isaiah Thomas. Uh, I'm not oh, saying true. it as you, a, you like, I'm him? not reporting it or anything cause I'm not a reporter, but, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think like, you know, with just how Monty Morris has fit in with the team and they already have Gary Harris, Jamal Murray, Malik Beasley, that backcourt is just so set. I could see, I could see the possibility of him being bought out if he wants to play to prove that he can play because, for yeah. him, he only took this contract because he thought he was going to play. And he hasn't played yet because he's still recovering. I know he's supposed to be back in the next uh, few weeks. I mean, how is he going to play with that team? Especially these guys who were injured uh, this past you know, few weeks or past month would have been the best time for him to audition, essentially. But all of these guys are coming back from injury. Jamal Murray missed a few games. Um, I think Gary Harris is still out, but when these guys officially like come back and they have their full squad, there's really not going to be a place for Isaiah because right now the way Monty Morris has played as Jamal Murray's backup, it would be very, very hard to see Isaiah getting yeah. time. So I could oh. see him getting waived. Um, who else am I Oh, here's of? one. Uh, Wayne Ellington. Maybe the Lakers will sign him as an extra shooter. 
Yeah, and he has a lot of teams he could go to. I feel like Philadelphia yeah. could really use him. Oh yeah, I'm sure the Lakers. Be yeah. I know the Pistons were one team that was reported that would be interested in him. Um, I think, you know, Memphis. I don't think that they're gonna buy out. Uh, oh, no, Omri Caspi, no, I heard, no. but he's injured, so that's different. Well, with um, the Lakers again, another person. Oh, that Carmelo. Oh yeah, we forgot about Carmelo. No. See, that's how much he matters. It's like not even worth talking about, but. Would you think Carmelo could help someone? No. No, I don't think he could help someone. If the Lakers get him, they should be ashamed of themselves. Oh, Marcin Gortat is another one. He just got waived by the Clippers. I feel like he's washed. Yeah, he is washed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. We do this with the buyout market every season, and then when you really look at it, it's, most of the time it's dudes that really can't help you. Like I feel like the, I feel like the one person that really has kind of um, – you know, at least help stabilize them a little bit was when uh, Capella went down and they were able to get Kenneth Fareed. It's like a good spot. Yeah. Like, you like wouldn't want him long term. Yeah. You no, wouldn't want you would him not want him long term. But you can pull. Like, when Capella comes back, now you can play him on second units and now you don't have to play the, uh, the corpse of Nene. Yeah. No, true. I do think, like, Fareed does bring value. But it'll be hard to see. His long-term outlook of his career. Um, okay. Anybody oh, and breaking, breaking news. The uh, New Orleans Pelicans are releasing forward uh, Markeith Morris, who is currently oh, so dealing with an injury. Yeah, he's had a neck problem for the past couple of months. So he could potentially help someone if he's... I mean, he's already been waived, so he can be signed pretty much whenever before the, the playoffs start um, to oh, make a roster. And, so. and also, I should add in the losers thing that I didn't mention... The Wizards should have just traded Bradley Beal, if we're being honest about it. Like, they're probably going to end up doing that next season because they're going to be bad again. Um, And Bradley Beal's probably going to want out at some point because I'm pretty sure that once his contract ends that he's going to leave. They should look into getting value for him as soon as possible. That's what I would add. Yeah. Now I feel you. Okay, so... We went through everything. We went through the buyout market. We went through everything. Okay, so I mean, I did say I was going to ask you about Canner. How do you? So Canner's done with the Knicks. Mm-hmm. He had a year and a half run. Mm-hmm. I know you despised him. How do you feel Couldn't about stand. him? How do you feel about him now? Um, I'm glad that he's gone. I I've never ju- I've never found some somebody who was getting passes from the media and from. From basically everybody, because you know he's a he's a he's a sympathetic story because of what's happened to him back um, in his home country. So like obviously there's a part of that 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 you do feel some empathy for. I'm not that heartless. I do have a heart. <laughs> um, but I felt like during the time that he was here, the what was interesting is that every time. That he would sit at the end of a, at the end of a close game for defensive purposes. You would hear something about it from him in the media. You would hear something about it from him on social media. And I'm telling you, like the majority, if you heard this from other players in the league, or like what you call it, people who are people who are better than him would get criticized. Um, I have never seen a player who's a role player at best uh, get away with that or just have it glossed over. And that was that part of that part of it. Just like it bothered me a lot because it's like, and I know the Knicks are bad, so you know a lot of people don't really care at this point. But 
If you're trying to build it, how could this dude become a, a distraction? Is like what I'm saying. Like it really got to the point where he literally turned the the Knicks into a distraction, his own distraction, because uh, he wanted to play more. And then he kept talking about, "Oh, I want to win," but like it's pretty clear that the Knicks playing with him on the court meant that they were going to lose because he can't guard anybody. So I'm glad he's gone. That that <laughs> that, uh, that much. Well, I guess that's the end of of trade season. I wonder what NBA mm-hmm. trades is going to do now. <laughs> uh, uh, buy, I'm going to be buy stuck. Podcast and uh, and and find old GMs to talk about. Well, maybe they shouldn't have made that trade back in the day. NBA buyouts dot tumblr dot com. The history mm-hmm. of buyouts. Um, okay, so Anthony, thank you so much for coming on. I know of I course. kept you a little long. I'm already like, oh, well, damn, it's an hour. Uh, okay. But anyway, <laughs> um, this has been the NBA Trades Podcast. Anthony, where can people follow you? Uh, you can follow me on, on Twitter at AC Spotlight 95 obviously the AC Spotlight Podcast. Um, Where the spotlight so shines mo- brightest in sports. Yeah, I- <laughs> or not in sports anymore. I see you do a lot. It's very uh, di- a very diverse uh, set of topics and... It ranges a lot of different fields, so it's not just where the spotlight shines brightest on sports anymore, right? Yeah, I, I would say so. Um, I always want to thank uh, Jade Hoy. Uh, shout out to the Count the Dings Network. Um, I've been able to meet a lot of different people there, um, that, and I've been able to be given access to a lot of different people there to have different types of discussions about a lot of things, whether it be personal or otherwise, and uh, a lot of more long-form free-flowing conversations and uh we'll definitely try and continue that uh as we as we go back and back and forth as i continue the podcast but of course we'll be talking nba of as uh, as we continue as well and of course i do marvel cinematic university um with jay christie jerome chang and Nitan blovstein and that should become uh more back into the forefront because captain marvel's coming out in about a month and uh, Avengers Endgame is not too far away. So that should be fun, too. So go check that out. Yes, indeed. This is the NBA Trades Podcast. You can check us out on Twitter. I'm on Twitter, NBA underscore trades. Um, Facebook page, NBA Trades. Subscribe to the podcast. I mean, if you're already listening, that's great. So that means you probably are already subscribed or whatever. Um, it's on Google Play, <laughs> YouTube, Stitcher, and... Um, it's on the site, nbatrades.tumblr.com. It's also on YouTube, so check it out. Um, subscribe, rate, review. That would be great, and I would really appreciate that. Anthony, thank you so much. This is the NBA Trades Podcast. Peace. Yes, sir. Yeah.